Welcome to episode 19 of History Stories for My Son, the podcast where we remember that history is a story that should be shared with every generation. As always, I'd ask that if you like this podcast and would like it to continue, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with your friends. This time, I will tell you the story of Admiral Grace Hopper, the woman who taught computers to talk. Before I get into that, I wanted to make a a quick uh, editorial note. Uh, I I am traveling for an extended period at the moment, and so you might have noticed a decline in audio quality for uh, the past few episodes. Uh, I made the choice that I would rather... Uh, continue producing episodes and getting them out on a regular schedule, uh, even if that meant recording under less than ideal circumstances a couple of times. Uh, after my recent long hiatus, I've uh, decided I really want to try to keep on a consistent schedule of releasing an episode uh, every other Monday. Um, as a, a reward, a thank you for those of you who have stuck with me uh, despite some of the gaps previously, I really want to make this, uh, this podcast a success. Uh, it's something that I have a lot of passion for, uh, and uh, I hope that you're getting some joy out of these positive stories uh, that I'm finding and telling. I feel like the world really needs uh, hopeful stories, stories uh, that make you feel good to be a human, that make you feel proud uh, of our history. Uh, and I hope that what I'm doing here is contributing in some small way uh, to that. So uh, without further ado, uh, we'll return to our current story. America, at the height of World War II, needed a lot of good recruits to the armed services. No shortage of folks, most of them young men, answered the call, filling the recruiting stations across the country. And to one of those stations walked a would-be recruit. In some ways, this person was like many others, moved by the events of Pearl Harbor and other terrible things happening in the world, to volunteer to serve and fight for freedom against the forces of fascism. But in other ways, this was a very unusual recruit. She was a woman, That in itself wasn't that unusual. Uh, Many young women answered the call and joined uh, various branches of the armed forces in the limited capacity that was allowed at the time. Uh, But this woman uh, was not particularly young uh, by military standards. She was in her mid-30s and a college professor who had earned a Ph.D. in mathematics from Yale. Needless to say, there weren't a whole lot of recruits with that profile. One might think that the military would have jumped at the chance to recruit a mathematical genius. But they told her no. She was too old, they said, and sent her on her way. 
Some months later, she tried again, and she was told no again. This time she was told it was because she weighed less than the minimum weight required for military service. Some months later, she tried again. This time she was rejected, and they told her this time it was because her position as a mathematics professor was too valuable uh, to national security for her to be spared for military service. But like a real-life Captain America, she tried again. This time, finally, at the age of 37, they said yes. And Professor Grace Hopper, doctor of mathematics, became the newest officer in the United States Navy. This vignette demonstrates two things about Grace Hopper. She knew what she wanted, and she didn't take no for an answer. These characteristics started at an early age. Born December 9, 1906, Grace was a precocious and intensely curious child. She wanted to understand everything about how the world worked, which led her, among many other incidents, to, at the age of seven, wander through her house disassembling all of her family's alarm clocks to understand how they worked. Her parents were none too pleased about that, but overall they were very supportive of her curiosity. Uh, Her father was a man who had overcome uh, many obstacles in his life. He was a double amputee, but he didn't let that stop him from a successful career as an insurance broker, and he was a very loving and engaged father uh, who inspired his daughters by overcoming adversity and encourage them not to let gender stereotypes prevent them from pursuing their passions. Her mother was also inspirational. Her mother uh, had a love of mathematics that she passed along uh, to Hopper. Uh, And it was even harder in Grace's mother's generation for a woman to be interested in mathematics because In the 19th century, uh, there was actually this notion that it was uh, improper uh, for a lady to study the subject of mathematics beyond about the algebra level. Women needed to know enough math to balance the household books, uh, but anything beyond that was man's work. Uh, But Grace's mother... Uh, refused to accept that and made special arrangements to study the subject. Uh, And she taught her daughter, and that's probably what kindled her daughter's love of the subject, uh, which would eventually become her career. It uh, goes to the show, I suppose, the importance of getting that early encouragement, because uh, probably if she hadn't, Grace Hopper, despite her brilliance, would have never gravitated to the subject because uh, nobody would have uh, shown it to her. But uh, she did get that exposure and encouragement, and so it was that she uh, attended Vassar on a scholarship, uh, getting degrees in mathematics and physics in 1928, graduating Phi Beta Kappa. But... That wasn't enough for her. She wanted to study the most advanced mathematics at the most advanced graduate mathematics programs. Uh, She applied to Yale, 
And there was just one minor obstacle in her way, and that was that Yale didn't formally admit women until 1969. Uh, nevertheless, uh, she bowled forward and basically insisted that she should be allowed to attend there. Uh, and she was so brilliant and, uh, and forceful that, uh, they eventually, uh, made a special exception for her. And she obtained her PhD from Yale in 1934. Again, that's 35 years before women uh, were generally allowed to matriculate at that university. This would be a pattern in her life. Whenever the fact she was a woman presented some barrier in her way, she simply ignored it. And through some combination of will and genius, convinced everyone around her to do the same. Now, she was never political. She was never an activist, never one to go out on a picket line complaining about gender discrimination standing in her way. Instead, she just seemed to have this way of disregarding it uh, and was so excellent that everyone around her did the same. After joining the Navy and, of course, graduating first in her class at midshipman school, commissioning as a lieutenant junior grade, she assumed, given her advanced mathematics background, that she would be assigned as a codebreaker. Instead, she was assigned to the Bureau of Ships Computation Project at Harvard University. She found herself reporting to a basement at Harvard with no idea what she was doing there. The first thing she noticed was the noise, all clicks and whirs, mechanical with a tinge of burnt cigarettes. Then she saw the machine, an enormous room-sized rectangle of electromechanical parts, tubes, and switches, and tape. She was looking at one of the first real computers ever constructed, and she thought it was the most beautiful thing she had ever seen. This began a love affair with computers that would last the rest of her days. She quickly went from absolute novice to understanding the machine so well she literally wrote the manual. She went from being the, quote, old lady at 37 who nobody wanted to work with to her commander's right-hand woman, his most trusted and indispensable expert. She loved it so much that at the end of the war, she turned down a full professorship in teaching mathematics at Vassar, which would have been her dream a few years earlier, to keep working on computers for the Navy. But as much as she loved computers, there was one thing about them she didn't like, one thing that kept people from using the technology to its fullest potential. That thing was that computers were thought of as only being able to do math, and people talked to them, programmed them, using arcane symbols rather than words. This was not a problem for her. She was a mathematician. But she realized that most people don't think in symbols. They think in words. They talk in words. She realized that most people would never be comfortable using computers until you could talk to them in words. 
So she started working on a compiler that would translate words, ordinary language, into code usable by computer. For the first several years, nobody else was interested in this. It was her own quixotic quest, talking to computers in words, in English. That's crazy, people said. But she persisted. She made it work. She was instrumental in putting together the first true programming language, COBOL, oftentimes called the grandmother of COBOL. Uh, and her system for translating words into computer language was adopted and changed the way that people communicate with computers forever. One of the things I like most about Grace Hopper was her enthusiasm for everything she did and her sense of humor. She wasn't just a brilliant mind grinding away like a dispassionate machine. She had fun. She loved uh, what she did, and she saw a real mission and purpose in it. Uh, that's why she was so passionate about uh, teaching computers to speak English, because uh, she thought if you could program a computer in English, then it would be much more accessible to the masses, that people could fully appreciate the technology and use it to make their lives better. In addition to her idealism, she was also a little bit of a rogue. She flew a pirate flag in her office and liked to play practical jokes on her coworkers. Uh, one day, the computer stopped working and gave off an unpleasant smell. They opened it up, looked inside, and found a moth that had been beaten to death by the machinery. A computer bug, if you will. Uh, this probably isn't actually the first time someone referred to a bug in the machine, but it might be the most famous. Grace Hopper retold this story again and again, and uh, it's at least partially responsible for popularizing the term as something wrong with your computer, preventing it from working. So uh, if you've ever heard about a computer bug, uh, it's likely part of the reason you hear that language is because of this moth that Grace Hopper found in her computer. Uh, she thought this incident was so funny that on another occasion as a joke, she went to a joke shop and got a box full of fake novelty bugs. On a day she wanted to leave work early, she dumped them into the computer. Uh, of course it worked. The computer stopped working, and when they opened it up, it was full of these fake novelty bugs, uh, which was good for a laugh uh, for a bit. Unfortunately, the gag worked a little too well. They vacuumed it out. Uh, and when they sucked up the bugs, they also sucked all the dust out of the machine. And it turns out with these old machines, the electrical connections won't work properly without a little dust in the air. Rather than being down for an afternoon, it was down for two weeks. And nevertheless, and despite the fact everyone strongly suspected it was her, she was so indispensable and well-liked that she got away with it. Hopper went on to make many more contributions to computing, most of them too complicated for me, not a tech guy, to even attempt to explain. But you can get a sense for how extraordinary her contributions must have been by how much other people valued her. She attempted to retire from the Navy three times, but each time they sucked her back in. She would leave and they'd find some critical task that no one else, literally no one else could do. 
and they'd bring her back. Though she could have insisted on her right to stay retired and made a fortune in the private sector, she embraced her career in the Navy and really made it her life's work. She was extremely proud of her military service and said being able to serve her country in the Navy was her greatest accomplishment, which, given how many accomplishments she had, is saying something. Once she reached the ordinary military retirement age of 60, the Navy kept granting her waivers to keep her just a little longer, extending her first for six months and then indefinitely. And eventually she got so old that she needed special approval from the United States Congress to stay in the military. Congress actually had to vote uh, to keep her in the military, and they did. Uh, along the way, she was promoted all the way to the rank of Rear Admiral, one of the first female admirals in the history of the Navy, before retiring in 1986, just shy of her 80th birthday, the oldest active duty commissioned officer in the Navy at the time, and one of the oldest serving military officers in United States history. In her last years in the Navy, and then after her retirement, when she finally did accept work consulting for private industry, she transitioned to being a kind of computer evangelist or goodwill ambassador. Uh, she would travel all around the country and give speeches talking about the future of computing. She believed computing in the 80s was, as she put it, quote, at the Model T stage, uh, and that the years to come would see an explosion in computing technology that would change the world. She used the Model T because that was the inflection point where cars went from being an expensive novelty to something that everybody had, and which changed the way that uh, cities uh, were organized, that changed the way that people worked. Uh, and she thought that computers would have the same transformative effect. It would change the way the way our society was organized, where people worked, how they worked, all things that, of course, living today, we know have come true. Uh, and she believed that the United States uh, needed to be at the forefront of that revolution if we were going to continue to be a safe and secure and successful country. Uh, and so she was very passionate about telling people about this coming change and encouraging particularly young people uh, to go into computers and information technology and be a part of that future. And her words inspired uh, no numbers of brilliant youngsters, including many women, to dedicate their careers to computer fields. At the same time, the computer revolution was gaining steam. Grace Hopper is often attributed as the origin of the quotation that, quote, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. She went out and did things that other people didn't think a woman should do or didn't think anybody should do. She did them anyways and didn't ask permission. She despised the attitude of, we've always done it this way. The bane of every successful leader, especially in the military. She believed people were too risk averse and that this prevented them from fully living their lives. She said, a ship in port is safe, but that's not what ships are for. Sail out to sea and do new things. She may not have ever captained a ship, 
But that was how she lived her life, as a sailor, in the truest sense, to the last. <laughs>